Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, March 7th. We begin with an update on the war in Ukraine, specifically Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's trip to the UK to meet with world leaders to discuss the volatile situation. We get the latest from Crystal Gumansing, Europe Bureau Chief for Global News. Next, we continue our conversation on the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We speak with Oleksandra Matsvichak, head of the Center for Civil Liberties in Ukraine. Oleksandra gives us an emotional description of what it's like to be in a country under siege. Then we switch gears and take a look at last week's interest rate bump announced by the Bank of Canada and what this means to the finances of the average Calgarian. We get some advice on how to lessen the impact of the increase from Marie Kozlowski, licensed insolvency trustee and vice president of BDO Debt Solutions. And finally, it's another edition of Motivational Monday, our weekly segment aimed at helping you achieve your goals and live your best life. This time out, we meet registered clinical counselor Julia Christina and hear about her new book, Drive Your Own Darn Bus. The Prime Minister is in the UK to discuss the war in Ukraine with European leaders and with details. We're joined by Crystal Gumansing, Europe Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning to you, Crystal. Hi there. Let's talk about the agenda for the Prime Minister. Uh, what is on the docket today? Yeah, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has an incredibly busy day. Back-to-back meetings. He uh, met with uh, UK uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson this morning. He is uh, supposedly just wrapping up an audience with the Queen out in Windsor at the castle. He'll then be coming back to London, uh, where they will see sort of a trilateral meeting uh, this evening, uh, not only with Canada, but the UK and the Netherlands. Uh, he then heads over to uh, Latvia. So he He's going to have an incredibly busy schedule. Of course, the focus of all of these conversations is what is happening in Ukraine, what sort of additional supports can be uh, added, and then, you know, is the efforts from NATO to bolster those those bordering countries and protect those bordering countries is enough being done there. So it's, um, it is definitely going to be a busy schedule for the Prime Minister, um, and it's obviously Canadians are paying close attention to what is going on in Ukraine. Crystal, we're expecting a third round of talks today. Is that right? Between Russia and Ukraine? I mean, does anyone even actually expect anything to come of these? I think it's really important, and, and we've seen a number of Ukrainian officials, you know, highlighting the fact that they are going, that they are going to go back to these talks. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone thinks that, you know, the peace will, will be announced anytime today. Uh, Russia's position, the Kremlin's position, really hasn't changed. We heard uh, again from officials saying, listen, you know, this will all stop the second uh, Ukraine puts down its weapons, that the Kremlin is saying they are continuing to demilitarize. Ukraine, um, and they have said that time and time again that, you know, they are there to, uh, they, Russia, sees Ukraine as the threat, and we know that from all the world leaders that have spoken, NATO included, um, it is Russia who is seen as the aggressor here. It is Russia who invaded Ukraine. So there is more talk. However, um, you know, will anything come of it is, is sort of the big question. And we did see at the International Court of Justice and the Hague, we know that Ukraine is demanding for an emergency order by that court to halt the the bombardments. Uh, Russia didn't show up to that meeting, two days of, of hearings there. So um, there's a lot of talk happening right now, but there doesn't seem to be, um, you know, the, the commitment for, for peace that, that maybe many would like to see. 
Chris, so we know the biggest piece when it comes globally, you know, to standing up to, to Russia at this point has been the sanctions, varied sanctions and, uh, you know, fairly deep, you know, when it comes to certain sectors. Do we have any indication that they're working and, and could we expect more sanctions coming toward the country? I think we've heard from world leaders saying, you know, the, the sanctions that they had put in place to begin with were, were sort of uh, broad and, uh, and, and you know, quite aggressive. They, we had, did hear from Ukrainian officials early on hoping that those sanctions would be put in place earlier. Uh, the ruble continues to fall. We know that that is having an effect. Whether or not it will, uh, you know, halt the war, it's a different, uh, different question. We haven't seen that as of yet, and we're now into what what is it? Um, day twelve of the of the full scale invasion in, in Ukraine, and we're still seeing Crystal a, a massive you know amount of of people trying to try to flee their their country right now. Do we know anything more about you know whether we'll be getting Ukrainian people moved into Canada anytime soon, or what does that look like at this point? Do we know? The, the 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 clog of the system is still so huge. There are so many people trying to get out of Ukraine. There's also people who, frankly, are trapped. They need uh, you know humanitarian corridors. They need areas to be determined to be safe so people can leave. Um, that is an ongoing issue. Uh, we've heard from uh, you know border guard services in Ukraine saying that even just in the last you know 24 hours, something like 130,000 people have tried to go across. They're trying to tell people, listen, maybe don't go to Poland, go to Hungary, go to Romania, go to Moldova as a, you know, there's, there's fewer people trying to enter those countries, you know, seeking safety. So there is a huge push for people trying to get out, trying to get tickets, trying to get on a bus or a train or into a car. But there's just, there's so many people that it's, it is an incredibly huge operation to get them out and to get them out safely. And that is a, a big, a big, uh, sort of key here is if people move, they need to be safe. Because right now the question is, do I stay in my bomb shelter? Do I stay in my basement? Or do I risk it and try to get out? Also over the weekend, hearing that there's been an advisory for any Canadians in Russia to come home. Uh, you know, is, is this much of an issue? Do, you, do we know of, you know, Canadians wanting to stay, stay put in Russia or are they taking heed from what you hear? So I'm not aware. We did just get the list of uh, Russian of uh, countries Russia considers to be unfriendly, and Canada is on that list. Uh, I'm I'm unsure if if at the same time when Canada put out the the travel advisory and telling people to either shelter in place or or get out, you know, now, which was several weeks ago uh, when one was issued for for people in Ukraine. Crystal, thank you so much for the update. Really appreciate your time this morning. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you very much. Crystal Gumansing, Europe Bureau Chief for Global News. Ukrainians in Kyiv have been trying to hold back Russian forces for well over a week now. With a first-hand account of what is happening in that Ukrainian capital, we are joined this morning by Oleksandra Matvyachuk, head of the Center for Civil Liberties in Ukraine. Good morning to you, Oleksandra. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Hi, thank you for being with us. Can you paint a picture? Are you in Kyiv right now? Yes. Can you paint a picture as to what it's like in the city for for Ukrainians still living there with the Russian soldiers pretty much surrounding that city at this point? All of us uh, Ukrainians who now in Kiev find our own place to be useful in this resistance. Uh, for example, I, as a human rights defender, work with our initiative Yevromaidan SOS. We restore these initiatives which we created uh, during the Revolution of Dignity, and we provide documentation of war crimes 
provide logistical assistance for people who need support uh, and also work with international communities. What about Kiev itself? What are, what are you seeing? Are, are there tanks lining the streets? Is it a case of it depends on you know where you are in the city? If you're seeing you know Russian invaders, is it is it all around at this point? Are there still pockets where you you don't see the conflict? You, um, if you describe what is the life now in Kiev, it's a life under the constant shelling of Russian rockets, especially at nights. It's why a lot of people spend all nights in bomb shelter, as um, as I do. Also, uh, the streets are in ruined after casualties uh, with the Russian sabotage groups. Also, you can uh, you can see a lot of preparation to uh, to resistance uh, because we expected a massive re- Russian attack. But uh, I not uh, frankly speaking, if we will not stop Putin, uh, stop Putin in Ukraine, uh, I, I don't know uh, what other country will see the same which Kiev uh, citizens now observe. Alexandra, I mean, we can only read about it here in the West, and I don't think we can have any kind of concept of what it's like to be you and fellow Ukrainians who are under attack right now. How is it for you and your neighbors supporting each other, and how do you get out and get get supplies? Are there shops even open and available for you to get food, for example? I have no time to go for food, and now in Kiev the situation with food, water, and electricity is not so such bad than in other uh, towns and villages in Ukraine. For example, in Mariupol, people are on the basement without water, food, electricity, phone connection, and medical care. And Russia don't allow to provide humanitarian corridors in order to isolate these uh, towns and villages and stop the uh, resistance of local population. You mentioned, you know, you know, we're talking about the basics, Alexandra. You know, you're sleeping in a bomb shelter. So can you Explain to me what that's like. Do you have more than a few people in there? And what's it like to, to put your head down at night sleeping in a bomb shelter? I so, so often ask an answer to this question to journalists, so maybe I will be not very polite and say once again, if we Ukrainians don't stop Putin in Ukraine, you Europeans will, uh, will uh, feel the same. Ukrainians have been fighting and battling, you know, average people taking up arms and joining with the Ukrainian military. What do you want us to know? What can we do? What can we continue to try and do from where we live on the other side of the world in Canada? What can we do to help you? We need to support ordinary people because if you will hear Western politicians, you will have a wrong impression that West provide Ukraine everything which we need. But it's not true. We have, we still uh, have not... Uh, serious weapons which we need to protect Ukrainian sky. We, uh, the, the Western countries refused to provide Ukraine flight uh, planes, uh, the air uh, defense systems, and a lot of other things. And look, Ukraine now is forefront of their battle, and Putin is not interested only in Ukraine. So now uh, it's, uh, it's uh, the question of the whole uh, Western world to support Ukraine in the struggle. What's it like? We knew that uh, you know that the Russian invasion would include a lot of the communication towers, and they're trying to you know make sure that you know as far as broadcasts are concerned. Can you still talk to people, your 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 neighbors and, and your uh, colleagues, or is it is it one of these cases where it's spotty when it comes to trying to be in touch with those you love and those you want to you deal with on a daily basis? 
Look, we have no time for communication. We are in, in hard work. We don't know how much time we have in order to be prepared for a massive attack to Kiev, which can start any moment, uh, because according to the, the intelligence sources, uh, the Russia surrounded a lot of uh, Russian troops and uh, prepared to this attack. So now we spend all minutes in order to be uh, prepared and, and to resist to this uh, uh, occupation. Is there anything that you and your fellow citizens in Ukraine will not do? I mean, you know, we're hearing that you are being given weaponry where it's available to try and help defend. Is it, do you, do you, does it seem like all Ukrainians are on board with this and really just doing whatever they can to protect their fellow citizens and their country? Not all, because you know that at least one million and seven hundred of people uh, are become refugees in Western countries. It's Ukrainians who cross the borders and try to evacuate their children, their older parents, themselves, because they are scared of a war. Uh, it's their choice, and I understand it because war is a normal thing. It's very hard to be prepared to the war. But all other people who remains, we will resist. How hard is it, you know, we're hearing yet that the women and children have that opportunity? Well, I mean, it depends on in between, you know, like you say, um, having areas shelled. Uh, how hard is it to get out if, if, if a woman and child want to leave the country at this point? Is it still something that can be done or is it incredibly difficult? It depends on the concrete place where you are, because as I told, in Mariupol, Navalnavaha, Hastomil, Irpin, Bucha, uh, Chernigiv, it's uh, it's no way how to evacuate from the cities. Russia don't provide humanitarian corridors. Russia shelling all civil initiatives of people who try to reach these people. Uh, like we documented different kinds of of war crimes, and among them, the deliberate shelling on civilian. Uh, objects and civilian population. Like, uh, unfortunately, we have cases when Russian soldiers deliberately uh, uh, shelling uh, civilian cars with uh, humanitarian assistance. It wasn't occasionally shots uh, because this car are uh, shelling with point blank. The world is in awe at the strength of the Ukrainian people, and we will continue to do all we can to help you. Our thoughts are with you, and uh, be safe, Alexandra. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Oleksandra Matvichak is the head of the Center for Civil Liberties in Ukraine. Uh, the Bank of Canada hiked its benchmark interest rate to 0.5%, making it more expensive for Canadians to not only borrow, but also to service their debt. With insight and advice on how to get a handle on your debt load, we're joined by Marie Kozlowski, Vice President of BDO Debt Solutions. Good morning to you once again, Marie. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Andy. Well, just as we get things going here, how do we define debt load and how can the average person calculate how much debt they can handle? Well, you know, absolutely. These these interest rate increases have been expected and the people who are most impacted by the most recent March 2nd um, increase are the people carrying variable rate mortgages, home equity lines of credit, and lines of credit. And for example, just so for a quick calculation, we know that the average house price in Canada is about 748000 if you can believe that. And if somebody, if somebody took a five-year variable rate mortgage at 1.25%, paid 10% down, and amortized it over 25 years, their payment would be just under $2,700 a month, 26.96. But with that quarter point interest rate um, increase, their payments are now $2,776. That's $80 a month. 
about $1,000 a year. And that's just one interest rate hike. And we do expect more coming down the line in 2022 and maybe even into 2023. So, you know, um, if you've got a fixed rate mortgage, you've got a bit of breathing room because your mortgage isn't up for renewal yet, but you will very likely be paying more for it. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep that at the back of your mind. Uh, Speaking of of that, Marie, can you give us maybe a couple of tips for for people if they really need to start working on getting those debts paid off? It can be overwhelming. So can you give us a couple of tips and tricks of the trade, maybe? Absolutely. You know, we know HELOCs and uh, lines of credit were used by many Canadians to live during COVID, and it's going to be more difficult to pay them back. And we know with inflation, you know, cost of gas, 31% up, uh, grocery prices, people now need are feeling the added financial strain of inflation and prime rate increases. So what they need to do is, at this point in time, the same old thing. You've got to pull out a budget or you've got to develop a budget because you need to know now, you know, what's your current level of debt? Who do you owe the debt to? How are you managing? And you need to create a debt repayment plan. But that starts with a household budget. What are you bringing in? Where are you spending your money? Can you trim some of your expenses? Because you can use those extra funds to pay down your debt or to um, start an emergency fund or even just in some cases, we don't have much financial stress has been experienced by Canadians just to cover their monthly living expenses. And if you've got any savings or some equity in your home, you can use that to pay down some of your debt. And also, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal in the next year, you may want to take a look at what the mortgage um, penalty would be because you could renegotiate your mortgage earlier at a lower interest rate and obviously save yourself all the additional expenses that you very likely would have. So, you know, the budget, taking a look at your debt, taking a look at how you can cut your expenses, all absolutely critical right now. There are many online tools and calculators out there. We have one on our website, debtsolutions.bdo.ca. So if you're feeling anxiety and stress because of your debt rate, your debt holding, or interest rate um, increases, or just simply inflation, please reach out. Call a debt professional such as myself, a licensed insolvency trustee. We can explain the various options to you, Mm -hmm. including how to develop a budget, including how to look at uh, reducing your debt load, and even in some instances where, you know, realistically, uh, some form of other option may be considered. We need to be considered. We can talk to you about renegotiating your debts with creditors or even a bankruptcy. So, as I said, you really have to knuckle down, put together that budget, look honestly at what your situation is, and try and come come up with some solutions to save additional stress as we go down the road with the increasing um, interest rates and inflation. We're going to have to leave it there for time, Marie, but uh, thank you so much. We'll direct people to debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Marie Kozlowski, Vice President of BDO Debt Solutions. This is Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. And joining us this morning is Julia Christina, registered clinical counselor and author of Drive Your Own Darn Bus, How to Get Mentally Strong and Into the Driver's Seat of Your Life. Good morning, Julia. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Love the title of this, but we want you to break it down for us. So is the meaning that we need to get into the driver's seat because we're just too passive in our own lives and we're not actually driving the bus? 
a really good question. Not necessarily that, but more so we let our own brains run wild and don't know how to direct our own minds and emotions, which is why we, you know, end up struggling and not really knowing what to do about it, not really knowing how to work with our brains so that we can feel more just in charge of our own lives, in charge of our own feelings, in charge of our own reactions, in charge of how we're showing up in life, in charge of, in charge of how we're feeling, like all of the above. It's interesting because, you know, one of the one of the quotes that I see here is, you know, you ever find that the days are flying by and that you're surviving rather than thriving. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, yes. many of us, once you get into the world of having a job, you're an adult now, you've got kids, you, you start to think maybe this is what life is all about. You're here to say it's not. Mm, that's a really good question, too. Um, it's not that it's not about the day-to-day and the things that we need to do to keep ourselves going, to keep our families going, you know, to keep our communities going. But so often we're just going through the motions and not mm-hmm. actually being present in what we're doing. We're not actually enjoying the process. Sometimes we're just trying to get to somewhere, get to, get to the end of the day, get to the end of the projects, get to the end of the school year. And we forget that all of life is is what's happening now right like there is no get to and coast it just doesn't exist right there's no get to and then everything is settled everything is set from here on out and so then we end up missing life because we're just trying to get through life instead of actually just taking a step back and being like oh but everything that's happening now is my life this this is it right now this moment this is the only thing that i can experience is right now and if i don't let myself do that i'm not actually experiencing life i'm just like floating through or just like you know unconsciously just kind of moving through it without actually paying attention and being present and enjoying it do you think that through the pandemic we've had even more trouble living in the now because it's been so crazy absolutely absolutely Right. Absolutely. Because we're just trying to get to the end of it. We're just trying to get through it. We're just trying to get to the point where things are better, where things are back to normal. But, you know, what if this right now is it? Right. And I'm not saying like this is it and things are never going to get better. But every day that we are living, even through the pandemic, this is it. This is our Mm -hmm. life. And I'm not saying we can't have things to look forward to. We can't have things to hope for and anticipate. But if we are doing that completely exclusively and not actually living our lives. Now we're not living our lives. Does that make sense? Does that mm-hmm. connect with you yes. when I say that? Yes. This is it. Like this is all we have is this moment. And if we're only waiting for the next moment, then we're not actually living. We're just sort of unconsciously floating through life. I know this is kind of a deeper concept mm-hmm. than just, you know, think positive and be grateful. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and so, yeah, of course we can still feel all of our feelings. We can feel scared. We can feel frustrated. We can feel annoyed. But what else are we feeling in that? You know, where are the moments that we are connecting with, the people that we are connecting with, the experiences within this that we are connecting with, that we are letting ourselves consciously live instead of just waiting for tomorrow. So this is perfect. I think now when people are talking about traveling more, you know, as restrictions ease, and I know know those people who say, I'm so excited, you know, come October, I'm going on this dream getaway, or I'm so excited, I'm, uh, you know, going to be getting that new job in, in a year, and that'll be great. Is it the is it the look aheads, uh, you know, that we're we're pegging our hopes on, and then when those days come, 
in the end, those are the same days that we're in now. But how do, how do we recognize those little things to, to make it as big as a vacation on a daily basis? Or maybe not quite as big, but as exciting for us. Totally. And I think that it's great. Like research shows that hope and anticipation of the future is good for us, right? Mm -hmm. It's good for human beings to have something to look forward to, to have something we're working towards, to kind of have that thing in the future. And actually, it's funny that research shows even when it comes to vacations, humans get more fulfillment from the anticipation of the event Ah, and the memory and the memories from the event than they actually do from the event itself. Right, because you get so much more. And it's not to say that you don't enjoy the vacation, but you get so much more time to feel happy, to feel good, to be looking forward to that. And then, of course, then the memories afterwards, thinking back, the nostalgia, all of that. Um, So having hope, having things to look forward to is a really good thing for human beings. But again, not to the exclusion of also allowing ourselves live now because you know this is sort of an interesting thing when you think about it you think about what do i love about vacation what do i love about you know going away with my family having time to connect having time to just sort of exist and be maybe have a new adventure maybe you know like try some different food and stuff like that and the truth is is that most of us can do those things where we live now Right. It's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be in a different setting, but we can do that. And I think about that a lot, too. I was having a conversation with a friend a couple of years ago and talking about winning the lottery and getting rich and, you know, buying a yacht and sailing off into the harbor. And I said, you know, that sounds lovely and I would not turn it down. But what do I want to do while I'm on that yacht? I want to sit with good friends perhaps with, you know, family, people that I'm close with. I want to sit. I want to visit. I want to laugh, have some drinks, just sort of kick back. And I'm like, I could do that in a restaurant here in Vancouver. Yeah, you know? that's true. Like I could go out and because that's what I truly want. And I think for most of us, we want that. We want connection. We want peace. We want presence. And so really looking at the fact that I can create that in my in my world right now. And of course it's going to be lovely when it's in the sun and the ocean, you know, waves crashing in. Of course that's going to be lovely and that's going to add to the experience. But it's not that at least part of that experience is not available to us now. You've got to get the book, Drive Your Own Darn Bus, How to Get Mentally Strong and Into the Driver's Seat of Your Life. The author is registered clinical counselor, Julia Christina. Thank you so much for joining us. A really great conversation. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. JuliaChristina.com is the website. Hopefully that gets you motivated today and beyond. I just love that. You know, life is now. It's it's right now. It's such a great reminder. It's, yeah. I, what I are to, we waiting for? And I know a lot of people do say, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got to have that vacation to look forward to. And I get that. And I get that. Hey, this weekend, I, I love my weekends. Believe yeah, me. something to look forward to is good. But we can't live our lives just focused on that, right? The little things. And if you have to look forward to something... How about pack an interesting lunch for yourself Mm. and say, I've got this snack. Mm -hmm. How about, hey, you know what? At lunch, I'm going to go for a walk today. Not to say that you're not living in the now, but these little baby steps. I think it's, I think it's the little things that add up myself. For sure. Agree. Interesting. And again, another edition of Motivational Monday next Monday, oddly. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.